0: It's also a defense mechanism to just not feel that pain because it's there is no reason, there's no explanation as to why. So if you start to lose faith in, you know, and start to really question those things, then you know, I really just feel that everything falls apart and you can't go down that path.
1: Hello, and thank you for joining me here on Hope to Recharge podcast, the podcast that's designed to break the stigma around mental health and to create some hope and inspiration and give some practical tips to those that are struggling with mental health, whether it's from personal stories to break the stigma or some advice from professionals in the mental health community, whether you are struggling with mental health on your own, or you know a loved one that is struggling, we are here to support you and to create a community so you know you are not alone. The road to recovery can be difficult and challenging. At Hope to Recharge, we believe that in mental health, together is always better. I'm your host, Matana. Thank you for joining me here today. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. Are you looking for online therapy? Are you stuck at home like everyone else? High stress, high anxiety, worried about the future, trying to navigate everything, have a lot of worries, have a lot of emotional roller coaster rides up and down, just like me. BetterHelp.com is one phone call away, one Zoom call away, one text away. It's an online platform for therapy. It's so perfect for now, for coronavirus, for what people are going through now. We can reach out and get the perfect therapist that meets our needs. Don't wait. Check them out. See if you can find somebody. Don't struggle. They're so affordable. They are so affordable. You're sitting at home. Every therapist is working online now. Reach out and get help you need. If you are struggling, don't struggle in silence. I am so grateful that they are giving us 10% off the first month so you can get affordable access to therapy. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge start your wellness get help get support you need hello and thank you for joining me here on hope to recharge podcast i'm taking a breath yes hello say hello say hello this is a unique episode because I have two guests, sisters. One is Rachel and one is Serena. I am very emotional now. And thank God I had a few minutes to get the technology going so I could catch my breath and my emotions and literally stop shaking because this episode is something that I was building up for in my mind for, I think, over nine months. I didn't tell this to the girls. I'm going to tell you why. So who are these beautiful faces, humans, souls that I'm speaking to? Rachel and Serena are little girls in my mind, but adults now. I uh, met them when I was in Hong Kong 25 years ago, something like that, 20 plus years ago. And Rachel was five or six. Serena was less than three. I want to say two and a half. I want to say two and a half. And um, Rachel was in Shulamit's class. Shulamit was my friend that came with me to Hong Kong for the year to teach in the Jewish school there. And I was Serena's teacher. One of the things, the gifts that I got from the year in Hong Kong, it was one of the hardest years of my life, really the hardest years of my life because the cultural difference was so extreme and that we had moments of loneliness and the moments of a lot of confusion with just being reborn and finding ourselves but one of the greatest gifts that I got from Hong Kong were the friends. My audience knows this because I talk about Holly a lot. The person that I feel like was my biggest treasure going walking away from Hong Kong was Holly. So I want to give a little bit of a background on Holly and then we're going to deep dive into this um episode and why we're having this episode. So Holly was a mom of these two beautiful women. She grew up in New York, moved to Hong Kong when her, I, th- I is it, was it in her forties that she moved to Hong Kong? She was 39, 39 38. Right. Hmm. She was living in Manhattan, the big life. She got married, moved to have two beautiful daughters and her whole life. Her whole life was her daughters, was her family. Literally her whole life. If they were happy, she was happy. She just lived for her daughters. And I've never experienced something like that. I've never seen that. And another thing about Holly, she was always gracious giving. She was living for love. She was living for giving. She was living in comfort with others' comfort. She always put some other people first. And she's like, oh, everything was okay. It's okay. Everything's going to be okay. She had this bright red lipstick all the time and high heels in every single color. She was fun. She was alive. She was vibrant. She loved to travel. She loved living life. And even when people were living life differently, and this is something that I learned from Holly, when people live differently than her, she never judged them. It was always accepting them the way they are, but being so comfortable with who she was, and never clashing, maybe in her heart she was, but she never showed it. she was so she had so much respect to others, even though they were so vastly different than her and One of the things that I remember about Holly was that when it came to the orthodox tradition, she was less tradition traditional than the, her husband and children, but she did everything to show up for the comfort of the others. You want me to take you to synagogue? I'll take you. Even if I don't go in, I'll stay here, wait outside. When you're ready, you'll come. You want to go for five minutes? I'll take you for five minutes. You want to you wanna go late? I'll take you late. Whatever you want. That's okay. That's okay. And I was, I remember living in, like, I was so young and naive then. And by me, I came from a very black and white, this is what we do. This is the family thing. It was like, This is the way we roll. By her, we roll with what is comfortable for others. And that was one of the things that I that I picked up from Holly was this understanding that it's not about me. It's about being comfortable with who I am to let others be comfortable with who they are. And we can still be friends, even though we don't share the same uh, views on life or the same way we lead life. Her heart was bigger than the universe, bigger than the universe. She led with love, giving, 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 giving. Like literally non-stop giving. And when we needed a place to move into, when our home for some reason didn't work out, we had to change. It's a whole thing that I'm not gonna getting into. She's like, just come to us. I'm like, what, really? She's like, yeah. And she set up the room with the two Japanese robes. And she said, this is your home. Take whatever you want anytime. Your home is my home. She nurtured, we, we felt like queens in your home like queens. You were so little, you don't even know. But she treated us like we've never treated it like that with with silk gloves. But then I realized she's doing this for everyone. I thought I was unique. But then I realized (laughs) this is how she shows up in the world. She just shows up like this. (laughs) So let's fast forward. Every time I got married, I moved to America, we would be in touch after Hong Kong. We would go back to visit. We stayed by Holly and her family. She she always welcomed us and made us feel special. And then she would come travel to New York when I moved to New York. And, and then Holly got sick. And that's when everything went like broke my heart, just broke my heart because I was so far away. I heard only later on in life like a few, I don't even know how long she was battling cancer, but I only found out after she was really, she didn't even look like herself anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and I think as I'm talking now, I'm realizing the reason why I don't have closure is because I didn't see it. As I'm talking now, I'm realizing like, why am I having such a hard time grieving Holly's loss? Like, why am I, why am I not moving forward from it? Why am I still, I'm um, dreaming that she's alive and she's here. And I think yeah. it's because I didn't see that trend. How many years, Rachel? How many years did she suffer from cancer? So she was sick for in total about four years.
0: Um, she was she went into a remission for a little bit for about a year, but for the majority of the time, she was battling it pretty heavily. She had pancreatic cancer um, and stomach cancer, and it you know ultimately just yeah it just.
1: Took over. Took over. Yeah. So this, this conversation will be about grief and moving on. And the reason, and nine months ago, I said, I I found a gift that she gave me when I got married. And it was like, it came out just when I started my podcast, I refound it because I moved a few times and I couldn't find it. I was so upset that I couldn't find it. And then I found it and I put it on my countertop in New York. And when I have coffee, we have coffee with Holly in my spot. And, and I always, I know that I talk about it. A lot of people think I'm crazy, but, I really feel that she talks to me and I talk to her and I feel her love and her kindness. When I found that, I said, I didn't know that where you were at the time. We lost touch for many, many, many years. After she passed away, there was nothing to bond us because she was the glue to everything. Mm-hmm. She was the bond. She kept things going. She just was that. She was the leader. And then we, we, we kind of like, I think the last time I saw you, maybe you were 10 or 12. How old are yeah. you now? How old are you? 30. Okay. So a long, maybe, maybe you were a little (laughs) bit older, maybe you were 14. Maybe you were 14 and Serena was like, maybe she was 12 or something like that. I just didn't know where you were in the world. And I was yearning to that connection, but I didn't know if you were able to have a connection without her, if it was too hard. And then when I found that little gift that she gave me, when I got married, I, I said one day I, I, and I put that voice out to the world. One day I'm going to interview them on my podcast and come to some kind of closure in my grief with losing Holly, because I wanted to understand how you were able to move on because I cannot understand how somebody can lose somebody so incredibly special and still have a life after. Like that's my, like, I don't understand. Where do you put Mm -hmm. the pain? How do you give yourself permission? How do you lead with, how do you move forward without a leader? That is, she was such a strong leader. And she was your cheerleader. She was everything. She was just everything. I know people are listening and thinking, like, is she human? I'm telling you, she was. I've never <laughs> met a person like her. I've never mm-hmm. met. Am I making am I saying the right description of her? Right before this,
0: Serena and I were just talking about, <laughs> you know, just some of the qualities that we really miss about her and just that she really was our biggest cheerleader.
1: Biggest. Biggest. And so proud of you always. Always. I want to share a moment of Serena okay with, with holly so i was her teacher and serena was very little she was 2 she always had a pacifier always had a pacifier now the school was almost an hour away at stanley fort in hong kong an hour away from wherever they lived holly would say to Ser- rachel would go on time and serena would say i'm coming later and she was 2 like so little holly would drive her and and say it's okay even if you want to stay 10 minutes and we'll go home And I would look at her, I'm like, you drove (laughs) all the way here for 10 minutes? Like, really? There was one time you forgot your pacifier at home and you were crying. She went back home to get the pacifier so you can have... A few more minutes, not like you're going to stay the day. You hardly ever stayed in the beginning <laughs> stayed the day in school. Like and, and she would drove all the way back to bring the pacifier that you should be comfortable for a few more
2: minutes in school. So this is just a small uh, example of Holly, right? Yeah. What a woman. I'm just, I'm so happy that you have these memories and this is how you remember her because for us, at least this is exactly, this is the most accurate picture that you could paint of her and she was our biggest hero. And I feel like she was to a lot of people. We're going to have a lot of crying in this in this episode. Yeah. Heads out. We're going to all cry. We're going to all cry. Listeners. Yes. This is not um, technical dysfunction. This is me catching my breath. Yes. But yeah, exactly. So I actually also, as young as I was, I really have those memories as well of, you know, school was such a long and windy road away that I would also get carsick going to school. So mom would be like, Oh, honey, you don't need to go to school. You know, she would let me off just because I was gonna get sick on the way there. And, you know, she would also just love to she would love to honestly just take us out of school just to spend the day with us. And she would, she would call them she was very ahead of her time, we always say. And she would call them mental health days. <laughs> yes. And just when we needed a break and not to be in school as young as we were, even, you know, we had no worries at those ages. But she was still you know, very concerned with our mental health always. And she was just the best. Yes, you painted a very accurate picture.
1: I didn't know if it was only me that saw it. And you're like, Oh, in the house, she wasn't like that. I'm glad that you saw that as a friend. But as a mom, she she and I don't think that that I remember when I was staying by you, she would bring you She would have this big screen TV in her room and she would either watch the news or do aerobics or whatever. And she would bring you your breakfast there and just be so (laughs) happy that you're happy. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Just be so, her joy was your joy. That's it. That's all that mattered. But it wasn't, she did live (laughs) for you, but her entire being was seeing other people being happy. And she was just happy when other people were happy. And we miss that. And I think the world is, is craving people like Holly that... Are just so happy for others. Your happiness is not taking away from my mm-hmm. happiness. I'll be happy with you because that's what, tr- that's what it is all about. You're not just because you have and I, I don't have, you're not taking away from me. There's nothing that I have that I, that I, that you have that I don't deserve and I need it because you have it. She, that her existence was just being happy for somebody else constantly, constantly. Yeah. And that's how she showed up. That's how she really showed up. So what I want to deep dive into now is like, how, first of all, let's let's go into the fact, let's go start when she was diagnosed, the grief of, wait, my mom is sick. The, my mom is not as strong as she needs to be. She's not going to be, I, I'm going to have to help her. She's always yeah. there helping me. Like, how am I going to do that? So Rachel, what was that like when you first came to terms with the fact like, oh my God, I have to show up for my mom and be vulnerable for the fact that she's that she needs me when her whole life she was giving to me. Well, I think that when we first
0: found out it was definitely like everything just came crashing down. It really did not feel real at all. It was just like everything was disorienting for a very long time. Um and even as much as she was getting sick, she was still always the one that was there for everybody. She was still just making sure that everybody was good. And, you know, it, it's funny because when she first got sick, actually, a lot of people in the, like, a lot of the kids, she used to do the lunches at school and she would just help and make sure that, like, all of the kids were getting the food that they wanted. And if any of the kids had any allergies. She was just organizing and helping with kids' lunches. So she knew a lot of the kids. And when she first got sick, a lot of them wrote her letters. And when she read the letters, I just remember her saying that aside from when she receives attention from others, she doesn't feel sick. She just feels as though she was going through the motions of something. So in the very beginning, she was still very much herself, I think. And it was like, as much as we were trying to be strong for her, she was also still being strong for everybody else. And I think that that changed. It changed a lot over time as she got more sick. But still, even at the end, she would say, she would sit like I would call her in the morning and she would say, um, oh yeah, so I'm just going for my chemo appointment and I scheduled it, you know, just before lunch so that I can go for lunch with the girls and then I'm going to go um, and get my nails done. And she would just kind of say it like, okay, these are one of the things that I'm doing on my, with my day. And she had a very, very positive outlook about it, really the entire time. So I think that that also was a very big source of strength, like while we were all going through it.
1: Until the end, she was living with literally gratitude and seeing the positive of life. Until the end, in in her last days in the
0: hospital, one of our family friends had a little boy and she said, I already bought the present. (laughs) She said, I already bought the present. And you need to use this wrapping paper and deliver it to them, instructing us on which wrapping paper to use to make sure that it was the right one. And it's just like so crazy. Um, You know, right until the end, she was really just thinking about other people. And
1: yeah, She, she never gave up with, the, she never said it's about me. Never.
0: Yeah, no, it's really crazy. She really didn't.
1: Serena. I I feel like I missed out on that period of her going through the painful time and, and seeing the decline. And I remember people sending me pictures, and this picture can't leave my mind, of her birthday party. She didn't have hair. She wore a hat. They put her her hat to wear and she was so bloated from from medication and stuff and I'm like is this Holly and she still had the red lipstick so that's how I knew it was Holly cuz she still had the red lipstick and she was smiling yes. Serena I'm asking you for a device for me how do you remove those images of the pain and the suffering that you saw your your cheerleader, your hero, your mentor for life, your best friend. She was literally your best friend. How do you move those images? and Or do, maybe you don't. And go into the images where she was young and vibrant and fun and running around and just herself that like, we
2: want to remember it. Mm-hmm. So I think actually when I do think of my mom, it, I generally straight away think of her when she was pre- cancer. So before she was sick. And it's funny because I think I always think of her when she was around 52. And it's funny because when I was young, I think I was 10 at the time. And i that was my biggest complex that my parents were that old. I always thought it was very old and I like from once my mom turned the age of 52, I would always just tell people she was 52. I didn't want to say she was any older. <laughs> um and I don't know if it has anything to do with that, but now when I think of her, I just always think of her when she was her glowing self and she was healthy and so vibrant and and of course I do get the images and flashbacks and the you know the difficult dark images of, you know, when she was suffering and when she was sick and like you said, you know, she became so frail at the end. And I just remember hugging her. I remember this one specific time when I went to hug her and I could just feel, I could feel her spine and all of her ribs and all of the bones. And of course, you have those memories, but. You know, And I think sometimes you have to kind of go through those memories and you have to feel it out. And other times you're not really ready to, not necessarily ready or, um, you know, yeah, you're just not ready to go down that kind of thought path. And you do just have to kind of block it out. There are times when I do just have to kind of distract myself from the thought and it really is crazy, but Rachel and I speak about it, and this year marks her marks the ninth anniversary since she passed away, which is really unbelievable to us because it still feels like it was just yesterday. On one hand, and on the other, it does feel like it was a very long time ago. But as long ago as it was, it is still a very deep, you know, pain and grief. and And I think you know this is what we speak about that the the kind of surface level of the pain goes away. It doesn't get easier you know i think actually as the years go on it happens to get harder as crazy as that is but you just have to take those memories as they come take each thought as it comes and very difficult i really don't have (laughs) i don't know if i have the answers i still am trying to figure it out myself
1: yeah, you do have the answer of saying, like, when they come, you decide if you want to deal with it or you want to replace it. And it's not living in denial. It's saying, right now, I can't deal with the pain that right. is coming up, I'm imagining and reliving that nightmare, that just that nightmare. And it's not like I have my mother that's healthy and well that I can go and give her a hug now. I don't have that now. I it's the, that that is the hardest part. So I'm understanding that time is not something that really heals. It just gets different, right Rachel? The pain just like changes sizes, times, perspective. It's not like it goes away.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I would say that um as serena mentioned you know the the pain becomes different when it's so early on you're so raw and everything is just disorienting and you're kind of just going through the motions of everyday life. But every single little thing that you do, you know, just reminds you of the situation. And it's kind of just a shock over and over again. Right. Um, and, you know, as time passes, that feeling of shock over and over again, definitely, you know, it, that wears off a little bit. I think that there are still days now where sometimes I'm like, oh, I want to tell mom this. And it's just very weird to have that feeling, you know, still that, you know, you want to go and tell them something. And I think that that's the part where time really doesn't heal because every single milestone that you go through in life, every single, not only sad times, but happy times, you really just feel it that much more so. And, you know, you just want them there to share it. And it's, it's just very difficult you know, even years later.
1: Yeah. It doesn't, it's not like, okay, I'm okay. Not sharing with her anymore. It's never okay. It it never feels right that she's not around. Exactly. Yeah. So Serena, I look at you and you look like her. Something about rachel is is like her, but you are you're i don't know why but i is am I the only one that says it that you're like Holly, you're the second
2: Holly? I think people are very half half We always get different responses, but to me i see I see my mom and Rachel completely in the and looks I think I like, or the personality. I think Rachel got her looks and I got her personality more. But when I mean when I see her I have to will send you a photo side by side, but I mean when my mom was in high school she looks exactly like Rachel does now. It's crazy. Craziest thing. They could be twins.
1: Because I see Rachel very much like your dad, like that Middle Eastern look, right?
0: Yeah, that's but a lot. It's it's really half and half. People go both
1: ways. Yeah. You definitely got her heart. You definitely got her heart. But you know what? Your father has also a huge heart and that's why they were so, they were best friends, right? They were best friends. They so complimented each other. It was, it was just like, it was so nice to see. I know that I was so young then and I probably didn't see a lot and I didn't understand a lot, but there was something so together and united and in, in the goals in life of um, creating a family, bringing love, support. There was something very together and it really complemented each other. One of the things that I learned from Holly was the importance of family, that like that, that family comes first. And when someone so te- like really leads with that, and then they disappear, they're no longer there. And not only that, they teach. We will always be there for you. We are going to be your cheerleader. We're going to make things work out even when it doesn't feel good. We're going to try to help you either feel good or help it work out. We'll we'll be there. What happens with that person? I'm asking you, Serena. Now, what happens when that she like? It's like a protective shield disappears. And we're like, wait, one second, can we stand alone? Oh my God, I'm going to fall down. I can't do this alone. I can't do life alone. No, I can't. So when she started getting sick and we realized that she might not stay with us forever and slowly she was deteriorating, did you believe you'll be able to survive without
2: her? I don't think that I ever, in all of those years of thinking like that, I don't think I ever actually considered what it would be like when she was gone. So I, of course, always, you know, imagine that that was what it was leading up to because it was four years of, you know, sickness and in and out of the hospitals. And that's kind of what was expected, even though she was fighting through it and she, you know, did have her stronger times and she was always positive through the whole thing. So you kind of believe that, okay, maybe she is going to get better and maybe she will survive this. But, you know, especially with stomach cancers, it's, that's just, it wasn't the case, unfortunately. But I just also remember at a very young age, I remember saying to like, I just had this fear. And I remember saying to Rachel, like, what if mom or dad dies? Like, and I don't know, I must've been seven or eight or something. So it was long before she ever got sick. And I think I kind of always had this, it wasn't something I thought about all the time as I was growing up, but it was, you know, that was just something I had a thought in my mind as a young, as a kid. Um, so I feel like when she did actually get sick, it completely shocked all of us to our core. And I didn't, you know, it still took, a lot of time to comprehend and it still was a complete shake to our world but i think i got lost in this question did you think that you'll be able to survive so without sorry. her
1: no it's okay did you think did you believe that you would be able to survive without her or when it was coming to the end or even after she passed away did you say okay forget it i can't do life without her i'm done
2: i mean, i don't think i ever have that thought i think i just always think you know even today i just always wish i was with her
1: yeah yeah wish that there was a magic wand to just bring her back and you're wishing you this horrible nightmare and you're going to wake up and she's going to be there
2: um but i don't i mean yeah i, I suppose that there were those thoughts of you know how can i possibly survive without her and You know, still today, I do wish like there was someone, there was a handbook or something on how you're supposed to do things and how you're supposed to do life and all of these things. And I do think, you know, she would have been our biggest source of discussion just about our lives. And, you know, she would have been so involved and we would have had, you know, so much guidance from her. And that's just something that's still so missing. And today, you know, you say you speak to her, we speak to her all
1: the time. Yeah. I think part of our, our strength to continue is knowing that just her body left us and she's still here because the thought of her not being a part of us is just too difficult. It's just too yeah. difficult. So to, and I really believe that she's here. I really believe that it's just us not seeing her body, but her spirit is here. Her energy is here. She's working magic from above. We definitely believe that. Right? And yeah. and it's just sad that we can't hug her and we can't see her and we can't feel mm-hmm. her laughter or hear her laughter. Just the comfort of knowing that there is an energy. That there is that it's not an ending. For sure. Right, that there's that there, there that life continues. That her life continues. Her legacy continues. What she put into the world continues, and it's it's going to continue forever.
2: Definitely, amen. That's what we hope. That's what we try to do every day, and we always say that. You know, we always speak to her, and we always do think that she's with us, and we feel her energies, and you know, we do get messages from her and it's the craziest thing but when you do see something that you know is so holly and you know that she's speaking to you it's it's the most amazing thing and um so yeah her energy is her soul is definitely here it's within us and it's i think within everybody that knew and loved her because she really did leave such a strong impression on everyone in her life it's crazy but it's beautiful
1: yeah it's really beautiful. It was a life well lived and full of impact, even mm-hmm. though it was so short. Rachel, I I want to ask you, when we we're going down this spirituality path of believing that she's still existent, like she's still there, her voice is still there, she's still working magic. And we you're seeing, as Serena said, you see yes. that her visit through... Clues. If it's I don't know if you ever had a dream or you saw red lipstick and a red uh, a red lipstick on a cute tall lady with high heels. You're like, oh, there's mom laughing and smiling (laughs) at me. There's mom. But going back to spirituality, you're a very spiritual Mm -hmm. person. You're a very God fearing person. You believe in divine. You believe you 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 really live with spirituality. What happens when our spirituality when our when our core is shooken up and you're like, wait, she was such a good person. Why her? Did you ever question that? Like, why should she suffer when she's such a good person? And why'd you take her away from us so young? The whys, the, all the, the nonstop whys. I think that, um,
0: excuse me, um,
1: but I think
0: that the, you know, the whys are A question that always pop into your head you know that's always that's just natural for that to happen but i think that for me when those kinds of questions pop into my head i immediately just put up a guard and i can't go down that path because if i start to question you know and really truly believe those whys then you know my whole world can fall apart and then you start to question everything. And that is not, I know that that's definitely not the way that my mom wanted, my she, that's not the way that she lived life. And that's not the way that she would want me to go on living life. And so I think that it's also a defense mechanism to just not feel that pain because It's there is no reason, there's no explanation as to why. So, if you start to lose faith in you know and start to really question those things, then you know, I really just feel that everything falls apart and you can't go down that path.
1: So, David Kessler writes in his book, I don't know how much work you did with um, the literature part of grieving, but he he wrote a book on finding meaning the sixth step of grieving. There's there's There was a book before the five steps of grieving and he, after he lost his son in a tragic moment when he was, the son was 20, he realized that everything he knew about grief was wrong. I mean, not wrong, but it didn't end there. He said there has to be a little bit more. There's anger, there's denial, there's sadness, there's all the stuff. And the last step is meaning, finding meaning. And that is the ultimate place to be able to like lift the grief, that pain. Grief is always there the pain is always there like you said it's it's uh, Serena said it so beautifully that it might feel differently but it's always there it might not be as intense but you yearn more for her as life goes on so it just changes a little bit but that finding meaning gives you the energy to continue that's the energy booster like yeah as you said before she would want me to not go down the path she would want me not to find that that destruction and and to say why she would just want me to continue life like she did. How how do you find meaning if you do? I don't know if you do, but how do you create meaning within your grief? It's
0: really crazy that you say that because I actually did not. I you know one of our friends. Um, Mom's tried to, you know, be supportive and actually give us a book um <laughs> to help us with grief and neither Serena nor I could even bring ourselves to read it. Right. You know, it was just like I at the time for me grief was a very very personal experience and I actually did not want to know anything about anybody else's experiences because it it scared me. I didn't want I just wanted to feel what I was feeling and you know that, that was it. But you saying that, you know, the sixth step is finding meaning is really funny because it really comes full circle because, you know, Serena started this company um, that is really inspired by our mom and I'll let her tell more about it. But, um, you know, I really think that in going through grief, you really really do need to find meaning and purpose in the future because that's really the the force that is able to continue driving you if you're continuously looking at the past and just you know thinking about what a loss we've experienced then every single day is so heavy and it's too it's too much to carry with us every single day mm-hmm. but That being said, the spiritual side, I do still carry her with me every single day, but the positive things, and I try and keep that with me to move forward.
1: Is there something specific that you choose in like a ritual, a thought, a saying, something that is you're finding meaning in this this process of grief? Like something that's like your little secret with mom, that you're continuing her legacy or something like that. Something that's your bond with her?
0: I think that Serena and I are currently working on something that I think that for a long time, it was very difficult to find a place where we could really channel that energy and you know work towards something where we were accepting of what has actually happened um, and then put that towards something. And so I think that now we're finally able to do that. Serena, do you want to...
1: Serena, you want to share about this? Takeover. The the yeah. new, the new meaning that you created after nine years of grief. And by the way, I just want to, before you're going to go into it, David Kessler does say, you cannot find meaning right away. If you found meaning so fast, you didn't grieve. And the meaning, and it has to be in steps. You have to find the meaning after you did all the other steps. Otherwise, it doesn't come full circle of, of like seeing the whole process evolve and get, get to some kind of a healing purpose that will lead you into the meaning that will continue in a healthy way. Nine years makes sense. It makes sense that it takes time to find that. What is it? Or even think, like you said, Don't don't give me books on how to grieve. I want to grieve my own way. I want to feel my own way. I don't want to hear how anybody else does because it's irrelevant. I know how I feel. I know how awful it is. And I want to live in that. I don't want to be inspired. I don't want to change. I want to be in the now. I want to be in the now. And look, you listen to your inner voice and it naturally took you down that GPS, hidden GPS road to the meaning that you created. And and I want to hear now
2: from Serena, what is this thing that you created in her memory? So as you described her before, you know, I said it was really the most on point description. And Holly really was just a person who lived to spread happiness, make people feel good, do things for others. You know, she was always constantly doing things for others, no matter how big or small that that thing was. And so to continue, to try and continue her legacy as best as we can, you know, she was such a powerful force and we don't ever want that energy to leave our lives. So, you know, we've kind of made it our mission to to continue that legacy. And basically everything about this company has come from inspiration from our mom. So our brand is the Board of Directors, otherwise known as the BOD. Mm -hmm. And we make limited edition jumpsuits which is basically modeled off of one of my mom's favorite jumpsuits that she lived in you know day in and day out and it's just the most comfortable thing so she lived by and what our ethos is is feel good do good so everything from you know the moment you put on this jumpsuit you feel so amazing in it from you know that most kind of shallow if you want to say uh, perspective you just feel amazing wearing the the clothes so that's kind of the first level We try to instill do good into everything that we do. So, you know, in the smallest ways of giving back to our communities or doing good for ourselves and other people, um, whether that's the materials that we use, which are good for the environment or our hang tags, which, you know, you can plant and it will make yourself a little bouquet of flowers that will make yourself happy. We're just trying to do these little, you know, feel good, do good things for people to spread the joy and to inspire people to take positive action. So, you know, in whatever way that may be to them, everybody has, you know, a different fight they're fighting for. And we're not trying to tell you what to care about, but we want to inspire you to first one, do good for yourself, feel good about yourself and your life and what you're doing, and then kind of pay it forward and move that action forward and spread the joy and let's save this world together.
1: No one's seeing my reaction because we, I can't see the video, but like my mouth is <laughs> wide open. First of all, I didn't know. I Rachel told me that you're working on something. I had no, that it was a jumpsuit. I had no idea the meaning. I didn't know. Anything about it besides the fact that she told me a week ago that we're, we're launching a, something in her name, and I'm like, oh my gosh, so perfect. Like yes, this is when we're gonna, we're gonna do the podcast when you're launching something in her memory. But as you're describing it, I'm like I'm, I'm visualizing her smile clapping, standing with <laughs> a standing ovation, clapping and cheering you on, and saying yes. Yes, yes, yes. And why am I saying that? I, this is so first circ- full circle. Now I, everybody knows my audience knows I don't plan my shows. Like all I know is who I'm going to have and when the conversation evolves. There's no planned questions. And I also usually, I don't lead with this is the conversation I want to. This is like the target that I want to get to. I just give the topic. What is so crazy, what you just said. The topic of the month of June on hope to recharge is self love. And mm-hmm. I believe. Yes. And we the, the next, the last one is next week. And then this episode is airing the week after. Oh, and I believe, and this is why I, I devoted a whole month on hope to recharge to self month. No one can give if they don't love themselves. You're going to get resentful. You're going to hate yourself. You're going to hate the world. You're going to, you're going to judge the world. And one of the things that Holly knew so well was boundaries with a smile, Uh, right? Boundaries with a smile. She knew what she needed. No one stepped over her. No one took advantage of her. No one. And not because she was a shrew. It was because she led with elegance of what works for her and what doesn't work for her. She knew that when she nurtures herself, when she takes care of herself, that's the biggest giving to the world. And look how she showed up to the world with giving and giving all the time. But as you said before, feel comfortable first physically, listen to your soul, listen to Mm -hmm. your body, listen to your vibrations. It's not selfishness. It's the biggest kind of giving when you give to yourself so you can give to others. I can't believe that (laughs) we are saying this because, oh my God, Holly's (laughs) giving me a kiss now. He's saying to me that when I... She's saying to me, I am giving you a sticker that's saying yes, what you are preaching and teaching is what I believe and that's why I showed up in the, and that was my ability to show up in the world with giving because I cared about myself and it wasn't selfishness. She never looked selfish.
3: Grief is universally one of the more powerful, intense emotions. Some people, whether due to trauma or conditions like borderline personality disorder experience all of their emotions on the more intense end of the spectrum, which can be challenging without some support and guidance. For those who frequently experience emotional dysregulation or emotional sensitivity, there is an online dialectical behavior therapy skills solution. Dialectical Behavior Therapy skills, or DBT skills, are essentially emotional coping skills. Check out EmotionallySensitive.com for more information. They have weekly online psychoeducational DBT skills groups attended by students around the globe and co-facilitated by a licensed DBT-trained therapist and a DBT-trained certified life coach who is in recovery from borderline personality disorder herself. Please visit EmotionallySensitive.com to learn more and ask any questions you may have about their next program, which starts on July 27th. Enrollment closes at noon Pacific on Sunday, July 26th. Again, Visit us at EmotionallySensitive.com and we hope to have you in class with us very soon.
1: Rachel, I want to talk about that a little bit. I want to talk yeah. about her taking care of herself wow. yet giving unconditionally. It's such a hard balance. Serena, I'm sorry. You're. I, I feel like I'm not giving you the right space to cry and I want to cry with you. I really no, no, want, no. I'll I, cry all over town. I, don't worry. I, feel, <laughs> I, feel like, I hope I'm not like being so that I'm like, Oh my gosh, no. I'm taking Holly (laughs) in now. Like I'm getting my dose (laughs) of Holly. Oh my god. And and I and and I feel bad that I that that you're like you're just grieving her i see like I'm no enjoy, her right it. Now. enjoy it enjoy it get your dose of her my dose <laughs> of her while while i'm while i'm ripping you apart to get any <laughs> little bit give me a little bit more of holly just give no. me i'm being a little bit selfish now so i hope i'm not being rude that i'm i'm not uh, that i'm not giving you your time to cry so no I'm, this
2: is the best i could do this for hours okay
1: okay okay <laughs> uh, I just want my audience also to know that it's not a uh, I might not be in doing this properly because grief is something that is very hard for me. It's something that I, Holly is the only person that I really lost in my life. And I fear grief. I really fear grief. And the reason why I'm deep diving into grief is because I had such a fear of grief. I didn't know how, if I ever lost a a loved one in my family, like a parent or God forbid, the the immediate circle, I will never survive. I I really believe. So I had to start learning about it so I don't be afraid of it. So I can know that I can survive it. So this conversation is giving me energy to be okay, that grief will come one day because there is always grief in our life. It could be for a loved one. If it could be for a relationship, it could be for a lost dream. It could be for so many things, but we do grieve. So this is part of my healing from Holly and from moving forward to know that whatever happens, I will be okay and it will take time and it will hurt but I will be okay. Going back to my question of nature nature versus nurture, how do you nurture yourself, but at the same time give without resentment? And how did she do it so beautifully without anybody knowing? I think that
0: something that she always exemplified was personal time. And she really, really valued and it just made boundaries for herself. And she Just never was doing something that she didn't want to be doing. So I think that everywhere that she was, she fully wanted to be there and she was excited to be there. And, you know, that just showed. And so I think that because she was confident enough to, you know, be doing what she wanted, I think she was able to really just. To be present in the moments that she was there.
1: How did she do that so clearly? Did she have um, a role model in her life that taught her that? I don't know. I think that I think that for her, it actually
0: probably was very much from within because she really was the first person in her family to leave, you know, home and to go to somewhere so far, and Hong Kong was so different. Um, and I think that. Just from within her, that was something that was very, very strong because her family was very, you know, traditional, just, you know, from New York, and that was very out of the world for them.
1: Right. But she, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, and we don't have to publish this part, but she does or did have a brother that was not well that she always took care of. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So she had a younger brother who was. He, correct. He was not well. And she was always taking care of him. Um, he lived in Florida. He unfortunately has since passed away. Oh. Um, oh. Yes. But um, yeah, she was always taking care of him. And she just found a way to always be taking care of everybody.
1: But at the same time, making sure that she's strong enough and never never saying yes to something that didn't feel right to her. And I think the biggest visual for me was her driving to synagogue and dropping you off, but not going in because it just didn't feel right to her. Even though she was one of the only people in the community that didn't go into synagogue, but she would,
0: right? It's amazing because that entire situation, yes, I remember that very, very clearly. Our dad, you know, went to synagogue every Saturday and he he wanted it for us to go with him and she didn't want to go. And so she would drop us off um, and then she would pick us up later. And that later actually evolved into eventually she came in to synagogue and she would come with us every Saturday um, and she would sit with us. And when they would be passing out the sejour, she would just, you know, politely say, thank you, but I'm okay. And she would sit there and smile. And she would actually oftentimes be offended when there were like other ladies sitting behind her chattering. She would just sit there and sit quietly, politely, because she knew that it made my dad happy. And, but she was never faking it. She was never, you know, opening the book and you know doing it for anybody else she politely declined every time
1: and for years she didn't do it when she wasn't ready that that exactly like she came when she was ready i'm not gonna go because you're telling me to go i'm gonna go because i'm gonna come to acceptance of the fact that this is what i want to do for you i think it was a fine line actually (laughs) it was like
0: it, it was, it was, it got to a stage where we were old enough to say, hold on a second, mom, why are you dropping us off here and not coming in? If you're not going in, we're not going in. So so what um, happened? when it, it, when it got to that stage, my dad was like, there's absolutely no way that they're not coming. So if they, if they're going to come, you've got to come too.
1: It was a decision and she wouldn't give you, you, you do you understand what she did? She said, I'm not going to take the girls away from her dad, from their dad. I'm not going to give up on, on that relationship and that importance. I'm going to say, okay, I'll go in. I'll be respectful. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to pretend that I am them, but I'll be okay. I'll come to a decision, but it's also boundaries. I'll come to a decision. I'm compromising myself for the relationship of the girls, of the dad, which is the ultimate love that I want. And it wasn't out of resentment. It wasn't out of resentment. It was out of a clear mind. I'm going to do it. And when I, you you know what strength it takes to be the only woman without the prayer book in your hand when everybody else, and for years she wasn't coming. So it's only she's coming and she's not even doing what everybody else is doing. Do you understand the strength, how strong she needed to believe. believe in herself and what she's doing is right in order to be okay with it. Serena, you're shaking your head, right?
2: (laughs) Crazy. She was the ultimate, she was the ultimate woman, championess and crazy. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I mean. But that, but
1: that story of the driving to shul, to synagogue, like, that represents her. And she was always, she was not like, oh, shoot, I have to drive the door. Daughter, my daughter's to synagogue now. I want to be on the it. beach on Saturday. It was her pride. I, and this is what she used to say. I get to do it. Yeah. Used to, you had a driver. And I used to <laughs> say to her, why is the driver not going back and forth to school? Uh, she's like, I get to drive my daughter. I get to spend time with her. Why would I want my driver to do it? Uh. That, that, that is, that was Holly. Like really she, but she knew the fine balance of finding her, what she needed and pampering herself. She always looked put together. She always looked elegant, tall, skinny, heels, funky as funky can be, (laughs) color, 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 bright Yellow heeled shoes with tiny little random socks that went with whatever she wore, <laughs> right? And with the, the red, best. the red lipstick that was on any can of Coke in the fridge. <laughs> Do you remember this? Do you remember yes. this? that she had precisely so many cans of Cokes in the fridge? And how did we know which one was Holly, the one with the lipstick on it? <laughs> like, she was Right, she left her mark, and she, I, used to, I used to call it the kiss, Holly's kiss, because she left her mark everywhere. I want to share a story that you don't know about, and this is, and when I come, I come into different paths in life. When I, when, when I'm in a phase of it, what should I do in terms of giving, I think of this, and I. I really pay it forward in the name of Holly. You don't know how much she meant to me. Like you don't understand yeah. the magnitude of how much she meant to me. So when we ended the year in Hong Kong, I think Serena was three already and Rachel was five or six. And we were living in your house and we did a ton of shopping before we left. We were going home for the, after a year. And at the time we were allowed to have two suitcases to take home. And I remember um, Elfax gave us gifts from the electronics and you're, father gave us bags and suitcases and stuff. (laughs) Everybody gave us the goods from their business. And we were so excited. I was the poor girl from Israel that had nothing. So the (laughs) smallest thing going home was like the biggest joy for me. And every penny that I made in Hong Kong was like for my future. Like I was excited. So that's why I was so grateful that your mother took us in and she was pampering us that we didn't have any expenses. And she took us to the airport and we both had two humongous suitcases that must have weighed each one over a hundred pounds. Now we didn't have any money because we either we sent our money back to Israel or we spent the rest what we had for that time. And we were stopping off in Thailand for a few weeks. And your mother did everything that we should be comfortable. And we come to check in, and the guy is looking at us. They're like, "It's going to be four hundred dollars." Like now, now, twenty-five years ago, four hundred dollars was my salary. That's what I <laughs> made, I made five hundred dollars a month. That was a salary, and it was for each one of us, me and let me each one. And we look at each other, and I'm like, I'm like literally like a ghost. What the hell am I going to do? Like I need, <laughs> like I need to get this stuff back. What am I going to do? She went behind the counter. She gave the credit card. And Uh she's like, I'm going to work it out. And like seamlessly, she's like, I don't want you to have any, like I'm talking to Shulami (laughs) trying to figure it out. And she just took the credit card out, swiped $800 25 years ago. And she's like, it's all good. It's going to be okay. Just have a safe trip. Don't worry about it. Don't. And I remember like being stunned. Like I've never experienced such generosity in two seconds, in two seconds. And all she wanted was don't Don't pay attention for the fact that I gave you $800 now. That's not about that. I want you to go off and be okay and have the best trip and not have to worry about money. Is that Mm. like, that was Holly. That's how she showed up in the world. And now that we don't have Holly here with us physically to swipe the credit card when we're at a loss or just say it's going to be okay or give us that hug. You know what we have to do? We have to pretend that we're Holly and remember that if she's not here to do it, we have to do it. We really have to do it. And that's why, Serena, your thing is exactly that. Be kind to the universe. Pay it forward, right? Pay it forward. Be that. Find the meaning in what she really... And I think if you took... Two hundred people. Everybody will give their little story of Holly, how she saved them in some kind of way with kindness, with giving, with 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 love. That. And one of the pieces that's so hard for me is for me to move on. Is I don't have Holly anymore to to tell me it's going to be okay. It's all good. What what's going on with you? I, mm-hmm. I I I miss that relationship. So coming back to you, Serena. Do you talk to her like and get answers? Do you like is part of your grieving? Looking for clues, how she's answering, or
2: you just let it out, and that's therapeutic for you. Oh no, I'm I'm trying to unlock all of the secrets of life through my mom's <laughs> messages. Definitely, I mean, I speak to her all of the time. And I definitely don't feel like I get, you know, it's not a, it's not an immediate service. I don't get answers in the same conversation, but I mean, a lot of the time when I talk to her, it's just, you know, letting out whatever I need to and wishing that she was here to hear what she had to say, because I'm sure her advice would be golden. But I have found, I think when there's stuff going on in my life and I, you know, It's not all the time. It's not... Again, it's not like a... It's not a guaranteed service. But in times, she will just send me these messages that I really can tell her from her. And, you know, sometimes it's not crystal clear, but you can feel that it's her. And it's. I know there are people that don't necessarily understand that. And until you do open your mind up or, you know, unfortunately it happens a lot, only once you lose someone that you do start getting these messages. I, of course, don't wish that upon anyone, but you do have to be open to it. And they talk back. <laughs> right.
1: They you just, know? right. You, you get that those
2: little sparks. What was the latest exactly. one you got? If you want to share. I'm trying to think now. While I think of it though, I do just want to give my dad a shout out because you did mention. It's so him before. funny
1: because I was just thinking. <laughs> it just shows how energy works. Oh yeah. my God! As you're talking <laughs> now, I was saying the entire time we didn't give enough attention to your father because he was really the patriarch. Uh, is it patriarch or matriarch? What, what's the word? word? Patriarch. Patriarch. Yeah. Uh, patriarch of the family it really is like I, I. I was just thinking like because it's about grief. We're talking about Holly, but. Holly was who she was because Andre was there. I really believe mm-hmm. that they were so together a match we we gave it in a few sentences. It's so funny that you brought it up now <laughs> because as you were saying I'm like I think that like we didn't we we, we really didn't deep dive into how amazing he is as much as Holly Loved the girls. He was like the daddy, the the everything daddy. It was all about their happiness still till today. Your 100%. happiness, your, your well-being, whatever you want. I'm here for you. I'll hold space for you. He used to travel a lot. He used to travel a lot. I don't know if he still travels a lot, but when you were little, he used to travel a lot. And when he came home, he just wanted to be present with you on there, on his lap all the time. That was what he was looking forward to as he walked through the door to just have you guys on the lap. And I think that's why they were such a great out. They they got that. They had the same vision of what's important in life. Their, their core values were aligned. So yes, Serena, thank you for giving him the shout out as I was thinking mm-hmm. about it. But it was your mother, by the way, yeah. coming down and saying,
2: don't forget yeah. daddy. Do you call him daddy? We call him a few things. We call him Papa Joe. Papa, <laughs> Dad. Um, <laughs> but he really is, you know, he is our biggest supporter as well. And he has always been there for us and he continues to be in every single way today and it's funny that you mentioned that you remember he was traveling a lot for business when we were younger because that was the case and a lot of the time or you know for that period of childhood for a few years it kind of felt like it felt like until our mom passed away we really didn't have such a strong bond with our father um and you know he was always there for us and we always had such a loving family and it was always a very we were a tight-knit family but once our mom passed away, we really did become, you know, this unit and we really did become so close. And he is the driving force behind our family. And he really does support and just give us the support and love that that we need.
1: And I want to add to that, that Whenever he gave you a great life, like he worked so hard for you to have fun with your mom. And not many people, not many people work hard and are so happy when they stay behind. He was so happy when you went on trip and you were having a good time. He was like, great, have a good time. And he was living vicariously through you with your mom while he was working so hard. And all he wanted was that you should have a good time and a good life. And he can give you endlessly endlessly and when he could join he was so happy to join but he never was upset that he wasn't like he was never like it's not fair why are they going i'm the one that's working hard they're going and i'm left behind in china working which is a true unconditional love right rachel you're nodding
0: yeah absolutely (laughs) he really is the best and he really does everything every single day for us in mind And um, is definitely like exactly like you said, he was never resentful towards anything. He very much took it as you know, this is, I'm I'm more than happy to be, you know, providing this life. And, you know, he wanted for us to be going out and doing things. And so, and it was really was never in a resentful way. It was really amazing and very supportive.
1: And that's why they were such a great match, such a great match. I actually yeah. thought that he won't survive her passing. I, oh, I was afraid because he yeah. was, no, in terms of his inner, he always yeah. smiled. always, always, always smiled. And I'm like, God, don't take his smile away with Holly. Just uh, don't do that. Don't do that. I was afraid that he's going to be a broken being that wouldn't be able to survive without her because they were so united. Even though they were apart so much of their life because he was so busy working, they, they were one. And I was so nervous that he would fall apart. How did he not, Serena? How did he not fall apart? I think, I
2: mean, I, cannot tell you that because I still wonder it today and you know we look up to our dad in so many different ways in our life whether it's you know personal or business or how he is with other people you know just as much as we've said our mom was such a giver and always doing things for other people. Our dad is very much the same in that way. He was, he's just the strongest man. You know, I still have, I, one memory that I always replay in my mind is him going to visit my mom every single day at the hospital. And I'm happy you said about his smile because he would just walk in and not wear any of his, you know, fears, or he was just, he had to be the cheerleader for my mom. And he really was, and he would go in with his biggest smile and, you know, tell her, He loved her and just made her, you know, tried to make her as comfortable as possible. But of course, once she died, he was broken. And that is also why we are very thankful that he did, you know, find the woman and wife that he is with now and that she is such a loving person. And, you know, they do have a very similar kind of background and upbringing and understanding of life and tradition and Judaism. So for that, we are so thankful. And, you know, we couldn't imagine him not being with anyone and like you said just being broken you know that of course was a, a huge fear of ours as well and i also think we kind of mentioned it before but i think he just doesn't dwell you know he remembers our mom every minute of every day and of course he tears up and we speak about her all the time but he is constantly looking forward and living in the now and he he's an amazing example of of how to kind of push forward no matter what happens he's always pushing forward and You know, you can never stop. So that's what he's taught us, I think.
1: Yeah, one of the biggest things that I got out of the courses that I'm listening to on grief is that one of the the hopes are is that we don't live in the fear of living after death, that we allow ourselves to continue living and we allow ourselves to experience different joys in our lives, even though it might not be the same, but not feel guilty about it, but continue moving on with the same emotions in the name, in a a way, in the name of the disease, because that's what they would want. No one wants to take them into the grave with them. And when we don't continue living life, the happiness, the joy, creating moments, creating good, we're dying with them. So we lost, so basically they killed somebody when they left, Mm -hmm. that would be the worst thing for the person that didn't have the opportunity to continue living. So part of living and what your father is doing, what you're doing, you're, you're continuing her and without guilt about it because you know, she would want that, right, Rachel?
0: Yeah, absolutely. When she was passing away, Serena and I were both in college in the States and she was in Hong Kong. And so when our dad called us and said, you know, you've got to come back to Hong Kong, you know, she's really, really sick and it's time for you, you guys to come back. And I just remember at one point I was supposed to go on a trip to Mexico with my friends in a a few weeks later. And I arrived in Hong Kong and dad said to me after she had passed away, he said, Mom wants wanted you to sit Shiva and then she wanted you to go to Mexico. And I said, I can't go to Mexico. There's absolutely no way. You know, I just can't, you know, move on and try and have fun after this. Like, how can I, how can I possibly do that? And especially also in in Judaism, in the first 30 days, you're really not supposed to do anything. And I just, I couldn't imagine doing it. And my dad just kept saying, mom wanted you to go and you can't, the last thing that she wanted was for you to be sitting here and losing your own life over this. You need to, you need to go and you need to pick yourself up. And of course you need to grieve her. And I cried the entire trip, but at the end of the day, I cried the entire trip and I was in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it really just, I remember just from that time that her, even her saying that and giving that instruction was really just a way that I modeled off of that, you know, moving forward and just knowing that it was okay to grieve, but also okay to move forward, which she allowed that
1: acceptance. And she gave the instructions beforehand that you didn't have (laughs) to figure it out alone. Just like that baby gift before she passed away. Which wrapping paper, what wrapping paper are you going to use for your life? You're going to go to Mexico, you're going to have a good time. It might not feel good at the time, but this is what I want you to do. These are the wrapping papers that you shall use in life for your heart that's broken, for your emotions, for just continuing walking Walking through the grief, experiencing grief, but still not living in the fear. Am I not respecting her by living? She said, "The biggest respect that you will have for me is by experiencing life." Is that amazing? Yeah, exactly. Amazing. Just, just, just amazing. And one of the things that I keep on thinking now. it keeps on coming to my mind in the conversation is, and this is a very hard question. And I don't even know, maybe I'll give it to both to both of you. And I'll start with Rachel. And then Serena, you'll give me your answer. We all understood like from, from this conversation, how incredible she was and what a loss to the world it was, especially to the family members, like the loss of not having a mom like that is like, in a way you're like, The only time that I'll really feel comfort is the end of my life in 120. Like there's never going to be that whiteness in my heart. It's never going to be full. Never. It might feel different. It might feel less painful, but you can never look to a time that that pinch, that hurt is not going to be there. So where's hope? Like what is hopeful of knowing that for the rest of your life, and this is a very hard question, but I'm struggling with it. And maybe you can give me insight, and maybe you don't have an insight, and that's okay. For the rest of your life, you know that till the day you die, till 120, you're gonna get married, and God, and God willing, you're gonna have children, and you're gonna marry them off, and you're gonna have a lot of moments. You're gonna have that you're not gonna have for there, and they're gonna hurt so much that she's not there how do you hope to live life with knowing that life is going to bring you so much pain and there is there is no way that the pain won't won't be
3: there
0: i mean i think that that is an extremely heavy weight that i do feel you know and it is very very scary and i felt it many many times of wondering like how to there's when she passed away i always just kept thinking not even of everything that we were going through but i just kept thinking of the future times and i kept thinking of you know my wedding and when i have kids and the fact that she won't be there and how can i do these things without her here and i think that the only way to to push past that is by finding hope and love in other people because you know that that little place in your heart it's never going to be replaced like that can never be filled by anything so you just have to weigh more heavily all of the other love that you have in your life because otherwise you're just you know shutting everything out and you're just closing yourself off to to more and it's just then too heavy of a weight and that that hole then becomes bigger and you know, it's just too much to deal with then. So I think that the, the hope has to come from looking forward and having other people in your life that you do love and have a good relationship with.
1: And focus on that to try to really focus on the positive versus the fear of the pain and experiencing the pain so much.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Do you also think that acceptance is a big component that, that when we accept that this is the way it's going to be, it's a little bit comforting? I think
0: that like, I've never really accepted it. Like it's just something that I still feel is, still very shocking. And I'm still, you know, there are definitely still times where I see somebody else going through a happy relationship or, you know, a happy experience or something and saying, you know, our graduation and saying, you know, I wish that my mom were here. And, you know, those kinds of things. But you can't, that's where, you know, again, the defense mechanism comes in and you have to close off those thoughts because you really can't I think that, that that leads me down a bad path if right. I th- start thinking about okay a parallel universe where <clears throat> she were here I can't think about that because you know that's not what we're in the reality right. is today and and I would never have chosen this in a million years but this is today's reality
1: right so in a way this reality is an acceptance but it wasn't put into words and it wasn't like a mindful acceptance, but your coping with it is a form of acceptance. Right. Yeah.
2: Serena, how do you do it? I think I mean I agree with everything Rach said, and I think it's definitely acceptance and it's also appreciation for again what we do as hard as it is, because in those moments of, you know, when you're depressed or whatever, you know, whatever you're going through and you kind of can't see the light and all you want to do is kind of sulk in your own grief. Um And sometimes that is the right thing, I think. But I think you also need to turn to appreciation for what you do currently have. And I think it's also, I don't know if this is positive thing to say but it also comes out of fear a little bit but not in a negative way just because we have lived through you know losing the most important person in our life and it's actually the second for me I've lost two of my main role models in our lives which is my mother and our grandmother. It's literally watching their last like watching them take their last breaths and you know you're kind of like how will I ever, you know, that completely changes you to your core and how do you ever look at life the same and but I think that really turns to a motivation to really appreciate everything that we do have because we see how precious life is mm-hmm. because we see that it really does end, you know. I literally used to tell my grandmother that i never i thought she was never gonna die because i thought she was superhuman i thought i thought she was gonna withstand like outlive all of us um and so it really actually surprised me when she passed away mm-hmm. um but i think that really changed me in a way more than it did my mom's death because i don't know i think i just really started to see you know my you, you can lose your people very quickly, very instantly. And, you know, there's no warning sometimes. Luckily with my mom, we did have warning and we were able to kind of prepare in some ways. But I think that you just have to appreciate what you have and just live every day to the fullest. And it took me a long time to circle back there, but there's the positive ending. Yeah.
1: And not, And I think the point that you're making is don't look so far down the line because it's too right. dark. If the tunnel is too dark. Exactly. In the now, right here, right now in the moment. Be grateful for what you have or what you had in the past, that you had an amazing mother for so many years that was your cheerleader, that, that gave you a foundation to continue and 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 to hold that to the future. So maybe it's the wrong outlook to even look what I'm I keep on. I'm very black and white. So I'm like, what the whole my whole life I'm gonna go like this? My whole life I'm gonna be empty. <laughs> yeah, no,
2: it's too much to it's think too, about it. It's least. too black. Yeah, no, it's too I was gonna say way to stick it in when you asked that question. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I think it, you're right. It's too much to think about it as a whole block and like just to set a tone for your entire life because everything is so dynamic and it just is it's too much to think about. Like like Rachel said, when I think about Anytime I'm at a wedding and that very often in Israel, I can't not cry thinking about my own wedding. Right.
1: Right. And it could be also like a fear of like, I don't want to go there because I don't know how I'm going to walk down that aisle without my mom." Like a fear right. of not wanting to enter that space of pain, even though it brings so much joy. It be so much joy, starting a new life, starting a new like continuing her legacy, right? of life and that's what she lived for i get it like to have children and continuing but the fear of being at that yes. moment And she's not there is a huge fear, so you can't even think about it because it could freeze you into not taking action and moving forward. We're all crying. What a heavy, (laughs) what a a heavy topic. What a a great therapy session. Wow, Uh, it's very it's very late at night by you guys, and you're probably going to stay up a lot talking about her and uh, and and remembering her incredible powers that she brought down to the universe, and and I believe I really believe she's continuing. From above, I really, really, I feel it. I feel it when I when I see her little. Like I'll look at a picture of when I was with her, and it came up the other day. I was looking at Google Photos to make my mom's seventieth birthday, and one of the first pictures was me and her with my with with my baby. Oh, yes, so and nice. and I'm like, oh, she's smiling oh. at me. She's smiling at me. She's she's saying hi, because she was like a mom figure to me as well. Like she, she took care of me. She cared about me. And, um, that little gift that she gave me was a Japanese, I think it was Chinese or Japanese like sculpture. And I had two, it was a handmade thing. It was like, it's gorgeous. It and two fish in it stuck to the side and it was glass. It was made out of, it's made out of glass and it's handmade. And the fish are side-by-side attached to the stone in midair. And her note said something to the fact of swim together, something like this. This is how you're about to swim together, but make sure you know where you're swimming. And it should always be in the right direction. Like something like that. Like so like Uh, be together, but, but yourself, like be yourself, but together.
2: In the right yeah. direction,
1: right and I love um, that. and that's why that's why when i when I drink my coffee with Holly, I look at it and I'm like, remember Holly's words, like make sure you're going in the right direction, make sure you're sticking to your core values, and that family is the most important. there's nothing more important than family, really nothing. That was like one of my takeaways from Holly family love, happiness, yeah, that's so nice. Uh, <sighs> Serena, before we wrap up, what's the name again? You said the board the board meeting? What did you say? The board of directors. <laughs> the board of directors. Of
2: directors. <laughs> the board of directors. Funny because the, the origin of this is that... My dad, Rachel, and I, we call ourselves the board meeting crew. Once my mom passed away again, and we kind of became a, okay. a force, yeah. that's what we call ourselves. So it kind of got spun off of that. Um, but yes, the board of directors, the BOD.
1: And is that what, so what's the logo, BOD? Yes. Okay. And where, where do we find these jumpsuits?
2: So you can go on right now, the-bod.com, or you can also go to our Instagram a little more confusing. It's the B dot O dot D. Okay. We're going to we'll up, link it to them, yeah. right?
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're gonna send a link. You're going to send me the link. <gasps> wow. And where, and you,
2: is it online only at the moment? Right now? Yes. We are doing some pop-up sales around Tel Aviv. We actually did one last week and this Friday we'll be doing another one and we would love to share information on that as well. But yes, mostly online right now. Wow.
1: So you went, to F- you went to fashion school, right? You went to F- FIT?
2: Yes. I'm a proud fashion school dropout.
1: <laughs> and what about you,
0: Rach? I went to University of Miami. Okay. But are you also into fashion? No, I was not really into fashion. Serena is definitely the driving force behind the fashion of the, of the company.
1: Okay. And you're just the cheerleader, the mom cheerleader that's helping along the way? Exactly. She's yes. I am She's
2: doing everything with me. She's I wouldn't be doing anything without her.
1: No. <laughs> persona is
0: really the driving force. So we make a good team. It's good. Yes.
1: Do you ever fight? Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Yeah.
0: Yeah. We definitely argue. Um, yeah, definitely. But the end of the day, we know that, you know, we are each other's biggest cheerleaders. Our mom always used to tell us, it doesn't matter if you fight your best friends. And that's really, I think that the way that we just live.
1: Yeah. That's so beautiful. Is there anything you want, either of you want to say before we go besides take a lot of deep breaths?
2: <laughs> <laughs> a lot of deep breaths as always um i think we just want to say thank you it was really just so nice to hear first of all to speak with you and catch up a little after all of these years but to really hear just your memories and how much our mom impacted your life it's really so amazing and we're so happy and thankful that you do you know not only for yourself but you tell you use it within your work and you tell your listeners about her and you know you're trying to still spread that message and uh just i'm very thankful for that so thank you it was great thank you for
1: sharing this uh raw hard moments with me because i think it was a very big healing experience for me this this conversation because i didn't see her at the end of her life i didn't have that closure um and in a way i really regret it i really really regret the fact that i wasn't I found out so late that she wasn't able to communicate, like really see people. I remember I was speaking to her friends and checking in and I remember telling Ari, I'm getting on a plane and I'm going. And um, I think... I don't want to say who it was. I think I know who it was. One of the friends and like, I don't think it's a good idea for you or for anybody. Like God. you, like you can't do it. And and then I found out that she passed away and I'm like, I didn't say goodbye to her. That's so not fair to me. Like, like I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't say, I didn't get a chance to tell her. Like, I know that I, I always told her when I saw her, but to really share what I shared with you now, how much she meant to me, what a mentor she was in my life like how I show up as a mother. When I do good things, I think about her. Like, And I feel like it's in a way, Like I know that everything is by divine and there's a reason why, but I feel like I missed out. It was a missed opportunity that I never got to say goodbye to her. Maybe I wasn't meant to because I'm still having coffee with her. And if I would say goodbye, maybe I wouldn't be able to have coffee with her. My little, my morning coffees with Holly, um, in my own private way, because it would be too hard for me to imagine. So maybe she's still alive really. And maybe, maybe it's false hope. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know, but. it's that even if it is,
0: that's what, if that's what works for you, then that is what you have to live. And it, you, I think that at that point, those are the points where you shouldn't question why, if something <laughs> is making you feel good and you're, and you're, finding comfort in that. I don't think that that those are the times that you should just enjoy it yeah. and, you know, find gratification in it rather than than asking why and hoping for more. Yeah. Even if it's
2: just to reconnect us and reinstill our relationship, I think, you know, that could even be it. And so much of what you said tonight is, you know, you're saying that I'm so happy that it's helpful for your healing, but you're really helping us also, for our healing, because you've said so many things that we haven't heard before, and you know your personal individual stories and it's just always like i I love to hear people talk about our mom and something you said earlier really, really clicked like it kind of flipped a switch and it's I've never thought about it like that that you know that if you become or if you kind of stay in your grief that you're dying along with that person and I've never thought about it like that and I don't know, just um, could be that you're now our mentor. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get through this grief together
1: (laughs) nine years later, nine years later, because, oh, I feel like I saw her yesterday. Really? I feel like I saw her yesterday. And and my friends, it's so funny. I talk about her so often. They tell me, I feel like I know Holly and I never met her before and she's gone for so long even my mother, my mother, even my mother, like I talk about Holly often. She's so part of my existence, especially Hong Kong was such a big part of my life, my transformation in my life. And she was my, really my angel that it was a hard year for us. You didn't know, but it was a really, really, really hard year. And when we moved into your house was the first time that we were able to breathe really breathe and be and feel loved and acceptance and unconditional love. And it was, it's something that I can never, like, I can never say thank you enough to her. Like, you know how much I talk about gratitude. I talk about gratitude all the time, but sometimes you feel like no matter what you're going to do, it's never going to come close to the amount that you feel gratitude to that person. And that's what I, what I feel. And I want to pay it forward to others and, and be that source of Holly in my home. And when people come into my house, open them with a full heart and accept them the way they are. Just accept them and just show love and be cheerful and happy, just like your clothing line. Feel comfortable and pay it forward. Like it so sums up what she is. So it's really, really so beautiful. And I'm grateful that you gave me this time to spend with you. And I hope we'll have many, many times together now in the future. Talking yes. about happy things and some past sad, sad uh, memories that we don't have, Holly, and accepting it, like coming to some kind of uh, acceptance that this is the reality, but find the comfort in moving forward and creating and and leaving the footsteps that she left here, like continuing the footstep, continuing the life, because if we die along with her, it's not fair to her, right? It's not. Yeah, I love that. her. So thank you, girls. Thank you very, very, very much. Thank you so much for having us. And we're going to share your, um, your Instagrams, both of you, even though where you, where do you mostly hang out? Now in Corona times, right in our apartment. (laughs) (laughs) But on, on social media. (laughs) (laughs) On Instagram. On Instagram. Um, You're both on Instagram. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Okay. That's where you hang out. That's where people can, can find you. Okay. <laughs> and the, and the jumpsuit has its own Instagram account. Like you don't. Yeah, much. correct. Okay. okay, fine. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you again. love you lots so and much. Lots of love. Give your father my biggest warmest regards we will all my yeah. love and all my gratitude the gratitude that i have for your mom is equally to your dad he invited me into his Thank home you. even though when he wasn't there he, cre- he gave that that vessel of home for anybody that wanted to come the way so so he really like my gratitude is just as equal to him if not even more because he was the force behind the home so i really an an unbelievable amount of gratitude to everyone.
2: Thank you so much. This was great. We hope you, to talk girls. again soon. This
1: yeah, was awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you Speak listeners. You soon. Yeah, I just want to tell the listeners, if you know anyone that's walking through grief, loss, heaviness, share this episode of, of really losing somebody that you, you can't fathom moving on without, but this gives you courage and not only you'll move on, you'll find meaning and continue their legacy. And hopefully, we'll be able to share much funner episodes in the future. But now it's all about grief and walking through the sadness, walking through the pain in order to heal because That's what it is. And a mental health together is better. And do what Holly does. Take mental health days. It's so funny that you say that because I do that with my kids all the time. And I didn't know that you called it mental health. Yeah. I'll say today is mental health day. We're taking off the day and I have different days. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, let's have fun. Who cares? And my friends make fun of me. Like you just take them out of school. I'm like, yeah yeah it's the best
2: thing keep doing that yeah do it more even yeah anyway (laughs) thank you for
1: listening and bye till next time thank you for joining us and taking the time to listen i really appreciate it please hit the subscribe button so you can hear further episodes if you are listening to us on itunes please leave feedback and ratings below let us know if there's any topic that you would like to hear from us in the future bye till next time